Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from the Evening Express Impression Journal. I'm Ryan Crail, and joining me today are Andy Skinner, Sean Wallace, and Jamie Durant. All, all voices you know. How are you guys? Uh, good, Very well, thanks. thanks. Yeah. Obviously, on this week's episode, we've got a good few games to discuss, as always. Well, as as often, I suppose. But Aberdeen's loss at home to St Johnston will be the, the first thing we come to. We'll also have to discuss Ross County's decent, I think it's fair to say, 2-2 draw with Hearts in Dingwall, as well as Inverness's not-so-bad 0-0 draw with Dunfermline at East End Park. There's also our local derby, Peterhead v Cove, ended 1-0 to Cove to discuss, as well as Elgin's lost 2-0 at home to Annan. Um But yes, first, back to Pataudry, where Aberdeen went down 1-0 to um, St Johnston. Stevie May coming back to haunt them with a late goal to to finish the game at 1-1, no, 1-1, 1-0. Sean, seven-game winless run now for Aberdeen. Uh, I suppose the only Marseille at the weekend was the fact that Ranger Celtic Hearts and Hibs chucked points away as well, but it's two losses in a row. There hasn't been any goals. There's been a lot of shots with nothing to really show for them. Yeah, uh, and it feels like the fans... Are perhaps get, getting a bit um, restless, would be fair to say. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, a lot of supporters booed at the end of the defeat to St Johnston, and rightly so, because, I mean, seven games without a win is simply not good enough. I mean, I, I felt like I'd uh, jumped out of a Delorean car at Bataudry because it was just like going back to last season and a complete inability to score. But, I mean... The thing that I found concerning was against Motherwell, they created chances and they did look like scoring. Against St Johnston, they very, very rarely troubled the keeper. So it doesn't look like all that work that's been done on the training pitch, it certainly wasn't paying dividends against St Johnston. I mean, there was a, a lack, of, it seemed to be like a lack of urgency with the attack. But the crosses were overhit. People weren't getting on to the end of them. Uh, no one was getting into the box. There was no no real support, which is where you really notice the absence of Ryan Hedges. And like you said, I mean, I think it's 53 shots in the last three games with one goal. And that was like a, a scrambled late goal against uh, Ross County. It's not looking good, but it's far too early for anyone to be hitting the panic button because Stephen Glass completely revamped the attack in the summer. And, I mean, there was positives. Austin Samuels, he looks like he will be a threat. He only got 60 minutes against St. Johnston because he was coming back from an injury that ruled him out of the Motherwell game, but He's fast, direct, he can beat a player and he can get a cross in and he's also willing to have a, a shot. So I think Samuels is going to be a positive addition. Christine Ramirez, I mean, he started with a bang, but the goals have dried up for him. One and nine now and I think he, he looks low in confidence, but who yeah. can blame him? Because for so long, he was, it looked like he was isolated and he was getting no real support. And J. Emmanuel Thomas, I mean, the amount of times he lost possession when the ball went to his feet. But 
one uh, no wins in seven is a real concern and it must get a win against St Mirren on Sunday because when you look at the fixtures Aberdeen had at the start of the Premiership campaign, you could arguably say they'd one of the easiest starts. So you'd be looking for them to make the most of that and build up real winning momentum. I mean, the opening fixtures, you'd be looking at them to win the majority of them, and they haven't done that. I know they've got a very, very difficult October coming up where they face Rangers, Celtic, Hearts and Hibs. And if you're not scoring and you're conceding leaky goals, you're not going to take anything from those teams. So it needs to be fixed, and it needs to be fixed now before they face St. Mirren. What month ahead? The amount of viruses I'm going to give my computer with his goal is going to be off the chain. <laughs> um, anyway, Ramirez, you, you raised him. I think maybe a sign of his lack of confidence pretty early on in the game was that cross that came across, came to the back post, and he he headed it. For, he must have he must have headed it further wide than he was distance from the from the goal, which I, I yeah. thought when when you watched it, watched it back, it didn't look particularly good. Um, there was, a, on there the was also a, yeah, on so you go, I was sorry. just going to. I was just going to say with Ramirez, there was also like an incident when the, the ball came through to him and he ran to try and catch it and it was close to the byline. And I get a feeling that he could potentially have maybe hooked it back, but instead it, it seemed that he just like blurted it into this like out in frustration. Yeah. And I know, I know elsewhere he's maybe been uh, criticised in other, in other media um, for perhaps like a, Almost frustration, yes, but like maybe like a lack of desire, you know, like if that ball isn't quite right, he maybe just kind of seems to be giving up on it. I don't know if if you share yeah. that opinion, but um, no, uh, no, I don't. I, I no, don't share. No. no, no, I don't because I don't because down a lack of desire from the mirrors. I think he's a player that would be willing to run his heart out. I just think it was the sheer frustration that the right balls weren't coming through to him. In terms of the fifty-three shots. Obviously, that suggests having so many, but not having the goals to show for him. It suggests maybe a lack of composure, maybe you know pulling the trigger while they're still in front of the defence. You know, from range where there's very little chance. You're you know you're needing a worldie to to actually hit the back of the net from there. Is yeah. that is that something you're seeing? Yeah, yeah, it is a lack of composure and wrong decisions are being made as well. Yeah, and I, I think what I found was in terms of actually getting the ball into the box. If Calvin Ramsey's not on it, then they're not getting these quality balls in. Ramsey started well against St Johnston, but it went off a boil later on. I think that's maybe a, a cumulative effect of all the games he's had and him being so young, but when he's not on it, the balls just aren't getting in, and that is another concern. You're doing a great job of linking this all together, Sean. So Calvin Ramsey, <laughs> in, in the second half, before St Johnston got their goal, Glenn Middleton obviously hit the back of the net. There was a sort of, there was a, a pretty concerning moment I thought where Ramsey was kind of caught up the line where he's where Glass is obviously telling him to be, you know, high up. But it was like two St Johnston passes and that set free whoever it was down the left hand side, ball in the box. Middleton puts it in the net, but he was offside. But it was how how much space there was on that that left hand side, and that was roughly the same area where Stevie May got the ball in behind Ramsey again and you could, I think you could see in that moment how tired Ramsey was you know trying to get back he looked pretty laboured trying to get you know in front of Stevie May and when he eventually did I mean he wasn't the only one there were there were three players that just kind of stood off Stevie May and let him shoot and 
I think we'd all agree that it wasn't a particularly clean strike. It wasn't a particularly powerful strike, but it somehow found its way in the bottom corner. What what do you place that down to? Do you think do you think the defenders could have done better? Do you think Joe Lewis could have done better, possibly? All of those. <laughs> yes. I, I think five players are culpable for that goal. It was just a catalogue of errors. I mean, you got a cross-field ball that came across to Johnny Hayes, who miscontrolled it, and then somehow he managed to get the ball under control, but still try to take it around uh, Booth, put it too wide, showed him too much of the ball, dispossessed, the ball's pinged upfield. Ramsey uh, miscontrols it, comes yeah. off his, his thigh, and then Stevie May is, is wide, he's out wide on the left. Declan Gallagher's in a central position. All he's got to do is come out and usher Stevie May further wide, but instead he lets him cut inside. But even then, there was still like so much time for them to clear this danger because Ramsey even had managed to tap back. So it was Gallagher and Ramsey in front of them, in front of May, yet neither of them made any effort to close him down. And then he unleashed a trundler. I mean, Scott Scott Brown was there, but he was uh, keeping tracks on the runner, so you can't say he's culpable for it. But then May releases a trundler of a shot, which Ross McCrory standing there and makes no effort whatsoever to clear it, and it goes within inches of him. And then Joe Lewis, his dive is late and mistimed, and it goes... It trundles into the far corner. So I would say five players are culpable for that goal. And it just shows how vulnerable Aberdeen are at, at the moment. Well, once David Bates had went off, they looked a lot more solid with him on. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So again, what a link, man. But um, it sounded like <laughs> Bates and Ross McCrory, um, you know, it sounded like that looks like the, the more solid defensive partnership compared to what we've seen from McCrory and Declan Gallagher. I think we all expected possibly that Declan Gallagher and David Bates would be the first choice centre-half pairing going forward. Maybe maybe just because they're the two internationals or senior internationals. But Bates and McCrory, is that the one for you? Uh, it's early days yet, but I mean, I was impressed with Bates on his first start. He was very vocal. He was guiding McCrory, like, sort of telling him where to go, because obviously it's quite a uh, new position for Ross McCrory. Uh, he was willing to drive out with the ball, but he wasn't losing it. And he, he had like a fantastic, he, he drove up like to near the centre circle and had a fantastic crossfield pass into St. Johnson's box. But <laughs> the story of the day, no one capitalised on. But uh, yeah, and when he came off with cramp, it was nil-nil with quarter an hour to go. And he's probably thinking, well, I've done my job. <laughs> At least they could go on and get a result, but no, just that disastrous defending for the Stevie May goal. In terms of this weekend, it's obviously St Mirren. It's a game you said that the the need to win, the need to stop the rot. Ryan Hedges, I believe, is expected to be back. A little, a little part of me thinks that, given the investment over the summer, that Aberdeen shouldn't be relying so heavily on Ryan Hedges and like. It shouldn't be the case that if he's in the team, they're playing well, and if he's out the team, like with all those other players, they they can't possibly play well. But him coming back will be a boost for them, won't it? 
that, yeah, tremendous boost. But again, it's just like deja vu last season. With Hedges out of the team when he got that pectoral injury, the form just fell off a cliff. With Hedges in the team this season, I mean, they won five of the first six games. Then Stephen Glass, I mean, he, he rolled the dice against the Rovers with the game against Carabag in mind. Made a lot of changes against the championship club. Ryan Hedges is one of them that was on the bench and it backfired. Hedges came on with other big hitters and it was too late, but then he picked up the injury late on in that. He's missed every game since then and Aberdeen haven't won any of them, which tells its own story. Hedges just brings that sort of bit of magic, a bit of spark that can unlock defences. If you're if you're into stats, um I've just I've just received an email that I will I will I'll give you the information from. Seventy-eight shots for Aberdeen so far from their six premiership games for an expected goals of seven point two. So I think that tells a story of about where they're taking shots from and how likely it is that those shots are gonna find the back of the net. Um maybe Ryan Hedges will prove that from this weekend onwards. Anyway, we shall also move onwards to Ross County. Two hearts, two. Andy. So, Blair Spittle came in for a lot of praise after this one, but we were discussing beforehand there were a lot of county players who impressed. I was impressed by Jordan White, I think. Regan Charles Cook looked pretty creative, got a lot of decent quality balls in the box. They obviously conceded two, two goals, but I mean, hearts have started the season pretty well, but a good afternoon for county, yeah. Without doubt, um, it goes down as a, a good result in the end, even though you know they did uh, relinquish a, a 2-1 lead uh, coming up away from, from that game with a point. Given just how frenetic at times it was, it was uh, end-to-end and lots of chances at both ends. Um, so, uh, you, know, you know, clearly just a, a very good game, which, um, you know, County would have been disappointed to have lost it. The, the point just does enough to keep the, the, f- the sort of feel-good factor at the start of the season going. Um, and you touch on some of the attacking players that contributed massively to to them getting that point. Um, Blair Spittle clearly was the, the one that, that stood out as, as getting the two goals. Um, you know, he has really kicked on since the, the tail end of last season and, you know, becoming a, a an increasingly vital player for for the staggies um i think one thing that they did suffer from a wee bit last season was just inconsistency of performance in in some of those attacking areas and this they seem to be building a real unit um with jordan white as the the focal point um he's led the line just about ever since john hughes brought him in in january um, and you see for the first goal the the way that he links up to uh, to tee up Spittle for the the uh, sorry the equaliser at the time. Uh, you know it's just everything that Jordan White's all about. It's uh, work rate and a bit of physicality. Um, you know he, he wins a, a lot of second balls and um, you know Spittle finishes it off really nicely. But you know it's I suppose vital when you've got Jordan White as that one guy leading the line that he combines well with the the attacking players around him. And, um, you know, for the second goal, Regan Charles Cook um, showed a, a fantastic burst of sort of attacking trickery to, 
to get past uh, Beringami, and he uh, he set up Spittle for. Um, well, it was a a, a bit of a, a tap in, a scrappy tap in, uh, with the aid of a, a big deflection. But you, you know, it's the sort of luck that County, you know, created through getting themselves into that that position. Um, a lot of uh, you know real encouragement from from some of you know these three players in particular um, in a in an attacking sense. I would I would say it was good that they you know had two goals to to come for it because. You know they've had a, a tough run of fixtures in in, in the opening weeks, um, and maybe you know it's been opportunities that have come around quite sporadically in these games that they've been left ruining, not taking. Um, Parkhead the week before, um, you know they there were two in particular that you know they were they were looking back on as being huge turning points in the game. But uh, I think you get the sense that you know when they come up against teams that are in and around them in the table, then they do have the the firepower to to put teams under pressure, and it's um, it's starting to bear fruit. You certainly, you look at the the opening six matches they've had um, against the teams that they've played against, um, and a, a return of three points out of those six is uh, is not a bad start for them at all, all things considered. As you said there, there doesn't seem to be much panic at County yet about the fact they haven't won. I mean, there's three, well, there was four um, teams in total that hadn't won in the Premiership. Livingston obviously got a pretty decent result over the weekend, but I think Dundee and St Mirren are the other two teams, two teams that they they play um, at the end of their upcoming run of five games where they'll take on Motherwell, Dundee United um, and Livingston as well. So... I mean, it looks like these five games, if they can get a couple of wins out of those, um, things, yeah, as you say, things will be going well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a, a measure of how difficult the Premiership is. You know that you know you look at some of the games that they're now approaching as being, you know, ones where you could potentially get points from. Um, they're away to Motherwell this weekend, and you know they're a side that have been on great form recently. Got a a huge point down at Ibrox, and then they, they travel to Dundee United, um, who have strung together some some really good form themselves with wins against Rangers, Johnson, and the, the Dundee Derby as well. But that's just how the, the Premiership is for for County now. They, you know, it's it's definitely a league that's got tougher over the the last few years, and I suppose the onus is on them to to show that they can be competitive within this division. But I suppose it you know contrasts to what you were saying about Aberdeen previously because you know you're right to flag up that Aberdeen have had a reasonably generous opening run of fixtures and for them to have won only two games does feel like a bit of a missed opportunity whereas Ross County are coming into you know a run of games now where you know this is a huge opportunity and I suppose they've they've got a lot still to to prove within this sequence of games um you know they they can't let the the wait for a win go on for too much longer, I would suggest. But uh, you, you know, the, I suppose the pressure has, to an extent, been off in these opening few games, and with the number of changes that they've made, I suppose it's been more about trying to to develop that that style of play and um, you know just some of the some of the attributes and, and features to their team that that are going to. To get them points, um, as I say, the the signs look encouraging. So um, I suppose it's it's time that they, they they back that up now. 
Yeah, and thanks Andy there for saying I was right. I don't get a lot of that at home, so it's a, a big boost for me. <laughs> um, I know the feeling. Uh, Ashley Maynard Brewer, he was a surprise inclusion. He replaced Ross Laidlaw in goal for County. Um, I think I, I understand it was perhaps, uh, I wouldn't say expected, but there had been little Ross Laidlaw mistakes in the, the last few weeks that potentially um, warranted giving somebody else a crack at it. Ashley Maynard Brewer, I think, come on loan from Charlton for the season. Um, he made a cracking save from, forgive me, Nanjali, is that how you say it? Um, yeah. In the first half. He made two, to be fair, but the first one, I think um, if you watch Nanjali's reaction to the save, he can't believe that the shot, which I think was for the bottom right corner, didn't go in the way he sort of timed it, the way he turned, the way he hit it. It all, to all intents and purposes, it should have been a goal. But does that mean that Maynard Brewer is the real deal and that he perhaps could be County's number one going forward this season? I mean, I, I think now that he's been uh, pitched in, I would expect to see Maynard Brewer given a, a good run of games, um, particularly given that he, he is a Malky Mackay signing. I, I, I suspect that, you know, Malky Mackay had it in his mind that he wanted to to pitch him in at some point. He was maybe just waiting for, you know, the right moment in order to give Ross Laidlaw a fair, you know, run of games. And, you know, it has been, a, as I say, a difficult run of fixtures um, that, that Laidlaw has has been involved in. But um, I suppose Malky's the one that's seeing the two of them in training. And, you know, for a, a goalkeeper that isn't playing, it can be difficult to to make that, that impression when, you know, it is just training that you've got as a an opportunity to, to state your claim. Um, but, I mean, we've seen a similar situation in the past with some of the goalkeepers that have come in on loan. Uh, Nathan Baxter came in from Chelsea in County's first season back in the Premiership. Um, you know, he was expecting to be the, the, the first choice, but picked up an injury. Uh, did, did eventually get a, a run of games, but it was Laidlaw that eventually won the, the battle um, as that season neared the end. It was kind of similar with Ross Duhan last season coming in from Celtic. Uh, he never really got a, a sustained run. Laidlaw's form eventually, um, you know, forced him out of the team. So, you know, he has shown in the past that he can deal with, um, you know, being withdrawn from the starting lineup and, and react well to that. Don't think it's a, a situation that will phase him, but I would say that Maynard Brewer certainly has the the gloves to lose now, and you know, judging by Saturday's performance, it was you know it's difficult to know too much about him before that, given he's still a, a young goalkeeper that that hasn't played much first team football. Um, you know, he comes with a good pedigree, having been involved in Australia's Olympics squad during the summer, but um, you know, on on the evidence of of that ninety minutes on Saturday, he he certainly looks to, to have a fair bit about him. So, um, no, I would, I would certainly expect him to, to now have a, you know, a good run of, uh, of games. And, you know, I think goalkeepers will invariably get better uh, with the more settled run that they, uh, that they get in, in the team. Um, I'm aware we've, we've talked about County for maybe, maybe too long, but um, just can you explain briefly if you know the story, uh, what happened with Liam Boyce during the game. He obviously didn't celebrate his, his goal, but I believe he donated a shirt 
to, I think, a, a recently bereaved family of a big Ross County fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gary Bissett was the, the, the county fan who passed away recently. Um, you know, very well-known member of the, uh, you, you know, the Staggy support. And Liam Boyce, I think, was was well aware of him from his time playing at County. Uh, you know, there there is a, a good uh, kind of rapport between county players and, and and the supporters, and you know, for him to to have been, you know, aware of of Gary and uh, you know the the supporters around him, I, I saw a bit um, of a tribute from Liam on social media actually just after. Um, you know the news was uh, um, became public, so it um, it was a, a really nice touch because it was right in front of the the jail end, um, and you know he, he immediately made it clear that he wasn't going to be celebrating the the goal. Um, he was a, a you know massive fans' favourite during his three years at uh, at Dingwall, so a, a really nice touch, and you know a man that's career has has really. You know, gone on since he he left County, he he went to pursue bigger and and better things down south, and ultimately moved to you know one of Scotland's biggest clubs in Hearts. But you know, he's clearly never forgotten the the grounding that that County gave him in Scottish football to begin with. So now that was that was a real mark of class from from Liam. Don't worry, listeners. Um, Andy will be chastised for describing Hearts as one of Scotland's biggest clubs. <laughs> um, Inverness, they're still unbeaten in the Championship. Uh, I think they're still top of the Championship, although Kilmarnock have gained ground on them. Uh, Dunfermline nil, Inverness nil. Wasn't was was it a, was it a drab affair? It was for a nil nil. It wasn't you know as as drab as you might might think. There were chances for both teams, um, but yeah, I suppose it wasn't. Quite as thrilling as as the game in Dingwall sounded. Um, it, it, yeah, it was one that both teams could have argued they they deserved to get the better, um, of, you know, of their opponent. Of you know, the both teams had notable chances. Uh, Inverness probably shaded the the first half, and and the two major chances came sort of around about the fifteen minute mark. Um, Robbie Dees had a shot saved by Owen Fawn Williams. It was a tremendous save actually, quite a um you know, smart reaction save in which he didn't a look a green to final have, save. A green final save, yeah. Didn't look like he had too much chance to see it come his way. Um and then he got himself back to his feet to to save Shane Sutherland's rebound. So that that was probably the you know the big moment in the first half. But it was Dunfermline that, that finished the game stronger and Mark Ridgers made a a huge save to deny Nikolai Todorov in the, the closing stages. It was a, a point blank stop um, after Todorov had been picked out um, at the far post from a Craig White in delivery. Um, really expected to to see the the net uh, bustle on on that occasion. So yeah, it, not a, a point that you know Inverness were necessarily disappointed with, given Dunfermline looked up for it. You know, it was it was really noticeable that you know they produced a a big reaction, which you know was definitely needed from their point of view, given some of the pressure that had been building on Peter Grant. You know, they they hadn't won a game; they, they still haven't. But you know, that was only their second point uh, of the 
the championship season and you know they continued to prop up the league so you know for a team that was expected to be you know up towards where Inverness were um you know up at the top of the table it was you know a, a big statement from from them I suppose but um you know for Inverness to to still keep their their unbeaten run and remain top of the table albeit that's a lead that's now been cut um you know they, they weren't too disheartened and I think it's it's a result that will you know just about keep their momentum intact ahead of uh, this weekend's visit of Queen of the South yeah and if you're going to draw you you maybe want to do it with a clean sheet I think Inverness have still only conceded one goal in the championship this season anyway let's move on next up we will go to the League One and then League Two but we'll start with Peterhead v Cove at Bulmer Okay, Jamie, time to shine. Um, reading Jim McAnally's quotes after this game, I got the impression that Peterhead maybe shaded this one in terms of possession, territory, maybe something if you looked at recent uh, League One results you wouldn't poss- wouldn't expect maybe, but it sounded like they were well in this one and just perhaps a bit unlucky. They were certainly kind of well in the game. Um, it wasn't There wasn't too much between the two sides. It was a kind of a fairly scrappy affair, which I think was was to be expected. Um, speaking to a couple of the Cove boys afterwards, they they praised Peterhead for kind of how they how they went about the game and how they kind of stopped them stopped them playing. Um, it wasn't a classic, but so Peterhead was certainly kind of well in it. But maybe kind of going forwards, they lacked a little bit of of kind of cutting edge. They didn't really test Stuart McKenzie um, in the Cove goal, and ultimately the, the kind of the games come down to a, a penalty call, which. I think was is probably about right. Um, I think Jim McAnally was saying afterwards that he was, it's yet another penalty that his side have, have given away and it was very similar to the one they'd given away the, the previous week. Um, so it's 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 obviously not ideal for, for Peter Heads, but there's kind of there are signs there that they're kind of turning things around. They obviously got the win against Clyde the week before at Balmour to to kind of stop the rot, so to speak, and the they kind of went toe to toe with with Cove on Saturday, and I think the a, a draw probably would have been fair. But um, in terms of kind of chances, I think Cove probably created the the better of them. I think there's I think there was one in the first half where Rory McAllister's put the ball across the face of goal, and it's it's narrowly um, missed by by Mitch Meginson. Um And I think there's there's one in the second half where Rory's hit the frame of the goal, and then. Brett Long's come out and blocked um, Mitch as he goes to take took away the rebound, so they probably did create the best, the better of the chances. But Pete had, I think, had slightly more of the ball and was certainly certainly well in this game. I mean, when you look at League One, there are so many teams in there that are strong, and I suppose there are all the teams that are like part time are relatively evenly matched, so it's hard to judge. But it looks like Pete Head have got a pretty. Pretty horrible run coming up, or certainly, obviously, they're going to Queen's Park this weekend, which is never great. Um, Dumbarton, that then looks like a winnable game, but then they've got Alloa, they've got Falkirk, um, Montrose, never easy to play against, then Airdrieonians, then Cove again. So it's, um, yeah, they're going to have to, you know, keep putting in performances to start picking up regular points, yeah. Well, in some of these games against the so called bigger teams, tended to do quite well. I know, particularly last season when they went on a little bit of a a run to get themselves clear of danger. There were kind of key results in there against some of the 
some of the bigger sides in the league. And they obviously started the season with a victory against against Alloa and they beat Cove in the in the Premier Sports Cup. So they're certainly capable of beating these teams. Um, aside from the East Fife game in the league, where obviously they were beaten 3-0 on that day, but it wasn't really a 3-0 game. They, they have played the kind of sides at the top end of the table. They've played Falkirk, Montrose, Edrionians, and they've only lost out by a goal on each occasion. And again, they only lost out by a goal on Saturday. So they're not getting dominated in games. They're not getting ran over. There's certainly enough quality in that team to, to kind of get the goals, to, to kind of get them back on track. And for, say for most of Saturday, they were defensively solid. It was just the kind of the, the, kind of the mistake for the penalty, really. Um, when Morgan Neal's kind of pulled to the ground from from a corner that's that's ultimately cost them in the end and, and Rory's tucked away the penalty. Cove at the moment, um I don't know, their their league position's good. Um are you are you feeling now that they're you know, they're back to their best? I mean you said the game at the, the weekend wasn't the greatest, but I mean keeping a clean sheet is has been noted as you know a, a positive for them because that's something they haven't been doing and we know they've got goals in their team so it's it, they, they should be looking upwards I'm sure yeah well, I mean the the defensive side of things has been massive because I think they've conceded nine goals in the first six games of the of the season which was it's kind of half the tally that they that they managed for the entirety of last season and granted it was only 22 games last year but they had the joint best defensive record in the league and that kind of helped them to the position that they ultimately finished in. I think it's, it's still early in the season and the table's taking shape. Um, but you look at it now after after seven games, it's it's ridiculously tight. There's, there's three points between the top seven teams. Um, you've got Queen's Park and Dumbarton on 13 points at the top. Cove, Montrose and Edrionians are all on 11 and then Alloa and Falkirk on 10. Um, so there's, there's not a lot between the clubs in this division. It's very cutthroat. You'll have teams kind of taking points off each other on a on a regular basis and I think it'll be a while before it starts to take shape because they seem to be so evenly matched. Cove would fancy their chances of being in in the shake-up when it all kind of uh, kind of clears up towards the end of the season and I think with the quality in their team they should. Um, they're starting to get bodies back as well. They're only missing I think uh, perhaps three players for for this weekend's game against Adrianians. Um and in the in the strikers that they've got in Mitch Meganson and, and Rory McAllister, they've they've got goals and they've got probably one of the the best partnerships in the league. And it seems to be the minute Rory's uh, Rory's the one kind of getting the headlines, but he's he's in a real kind of rich rich vein of form, and and that can only bode well for Cove. Yeah, as you said, League One. You look at it, and those teams are down near the bottom there. Probably in in all likelihood going to be up near the top by the end. Falkirk being an example. Um, Elgin then Andy two 0 loss at home to Arnon. I think Elgin are sitting eighth in League Two at the moment. Um, they're to my mind they're miles off the pace. Would you Would you agree? Yeah, I mean it's it's been a real struggle for them to to get any sort of consistency going. Um, it just goes down as a, a frustrating start to the campaign. Um. They came into this match kind of sensing a decent opportunity to to keep a bit of momentum going because they'd, you know, although they conceded late against Kelty Hearts the week before, um, you know, they still took a lot of encouragement from the way that they performed in that game. Um, and uh, although Annan are sitting in a good position, you know, top of the or near the top of the the table, 
um, in in League Two, they um, you know playing them at home, they they certainly would have gone into that one sensing a, a an opportunity to, to try and kick on from that. But it just it seemed like one of those days where everything possible uh, that could have gone wrong did really for them because I mean they were they were obviously planning to have been without Kane Hester, their uh, their talisman. Uh, for for a couple of weeks, um, you know he was pretty much ruled out of of this game and and probably next weekend's one as well. But uh, by all accounts, kind of reported himself fit when he arrived at the at the ground on Saturday morning, um, fit enough to to start on the bench to begin with. But he did come on at half time and um, he was eventually uh, withdrawn through injury uh, later on in the in, in the match so yeah just a, a bit of a, a a disappointing one on on that front and I suppose the the manner in which they they lost the game it was um, Owen Moxton's free kick and, um, and and then a Matt Douglas goal which came from Moxton's delivery later on in the game um, Daniel Hoban the the goalkeeper was was sent off he'd been drafted into to replace Thomas McHale, so you know a bit a bit more disruption in in goals there because McHale will obviously come back into the the team next week and uh, it was you and Spark in the end who who finished in goals. So yeah, just a a, a bit of a uh, yeah a calamitous sort of uh, game for uh, for Elgin and it's one that you know it means that they've still only picked up that solitary win at home to Albion Rovers. Which uh, will come as a, a big frustration to to Gavin Price, given the belief that he's he's got in you know the team that he's assembled at Borough Briggs. I think uh, Gavin Price used um, a trialist in the game, Ollie Hamilton, who I believe was formerly on the books at St Johnston, and also turned out for Brecon City previously. I think he I think he scored something like five goals in midweek for Elgin's youth team. Yeah, so he'd, he'd give him a chance, which is presumably to give Elgin other goal scoring options for times like this where Kane Hester isn't fit to start and play 90 minutes. They've got Stenhouse Muir this weekend. Um, that, when you look at the table, is a game they simply have to win, to my mind. But then you also look at Stenhouse Muir's results. Um, I think two weekends ago, they beat Annan away from home 2-1. So, it's again, as we were saying about League One, nothing's clear-cut, no... No teams, um, bar bar a few, kind of go into games as you know heavy heavy favourites. But Elgin have to be beating teams like Stanley, don't they? Surely. Yeah, I mean it is it is a tight league on on, on that front. Um, I don't think there is a, a massive amount between a lot of the the sides in the division, but um, you know that that goes down as a missed opportunity itself, unless Elgin can can start taking care of their own business, but. You know, if, if they can go on a decent run, then I'm sure they'll they'll shoot up the table and um, you know start to put pressure on those playoff positions. They they just can't afford to to leave it for much longer. And yeah, you know, the Steny game this weekend certainly goes down as a, a massive opportunity for them. Um, I think they'll you know they they will see that one as being um, a, you know a vital game that they they really need to to take the three points from um, and. and you know, just take some sort of lift going into the the following week, but um, just a, a campaign that that hasn't really got going for them yet, um, and yeah, they just need to to regroup and uh, and and go again. 
All right, well, I think that will do us for this week's episode of Northern Goal for all the, the analysis of how the Highland League teams got on in the Scottish Cup, um, as well as a discussion of the draw for the second round, which Elgin uninvolved in. Um, you can watch our Highland League weekly programme on the Press and Journal website for the latest Aberdeen FC and Highland League news in your inbox. You can sign up to our newsletters, uh, which are also available. The sign up for that's on the Press and Journal website as well. Um, thanks to Andy, Sean and Jamie for joining me today. Cheers guys. Not thanks very much. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email us with any questions or queries at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And finally, enjoy the football, whichever games you're watching this week. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.